You are listening to Middle East Monitor Conversations, bringing you lively discussions with prominent voices from the region and beyond as we delve deeper into issues shaping the Middle East and North Africa, from politics to culture and the arts. Hello and welcome to another conversation with the Middle East Monitor. My name is Nassim Ahmed and I will be your host. Today we are asking, is Lebanon a failed state? To discuss this question and to get an update on the latest situation in Lebanon, I am joined by Mohammed Kozba. A Lebanese national, Kozba is the Deputy Secretary General of the Muslim Council of Britain and the Chairman of Finsbury Park, well, Park Mosque, one of the most prominent Islamic centres in the UK. Um, and he's also a member of the National Council of the MCB. Um, Kozba is also a member of the Islington Faith Forum, representing the Muslim community in North London, as well as being a regular IB Times UK and Middle East Eye columnist. It sits on a number of uh, boards and panels, uh, including the ITV London News, and is a member of the Police Islington Advocacy Group. Mohammed, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great. So let's um, uh, get straight into the main question. Um, a failed state is a state that has lost its effect, uh, ability to govern its population. It is a state that can no longer perform its basic security functions and provide basic services to its uh, population. Is that a definition that can be applied to Lebanon? Well, uh, Lebanon is going through a very difficult and challenging time these days. Um, it's been a long time when they have this prosperity and stability, more than 30 years now. And now uh, they are going really through a very difficult time. Since the revolution in uh, 2019, when it's happened, uh, things getting from bad to worse in Lebanon, unfortunately, um, because you know the situation is changed. Uh, we have the exclusion of of, uh, of the port and so on, and basically uh, everything's collapsed in Lebanon. Uh, the public services collapsed. The, uh, there is no electricity. There is no water. Uh, people cannot afford to go to hospitals. The, 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 the health sector, the education sector has been collapsed in Lebanon because of that. I'm not here putting blame on the revolution. I'm putting blame on the uh, corrupt and incompetent uh, uh, rulers who rule Lebanon, who, who control everything in Lebanon. They use that uh, to uh, put, this Lebanon, put Lebanon in this situation, unfortunately. And I can say, frankly, that Lebanon is on the brink of a failed state. Mm, on the brink, yes. And you mentioned corruption. You mentioned um, um, failed state as well. Um, but to get an idea of how dysfunctional Lebanon has become, uh, it is split into two time zones in a row over daylight saving. How did we, how did we arrive, uh, reach a point where, where, where the country cannot even agree on the time? This is a funny and embarrassing thing for not just only for the uh, Lebanese government, uh, but all, uh, as well for the Lebanese people actually to have two local times um, split between the Lebanese uh, in uh, some, sometimes the same street, even in the airport, 
and in the shops and you know it's it's really it's never happened by the way in in any country so this is a unique things for uh, about about Lebanon it is it is yes we, we can say it's funny but it it shows how much divided is the the, the, the country how much divided are the, the communities uh, unfortunately some politicians try to use this for sectarian issues try to especially it happens during Ramadan and people linked to Ramadan and some politicians like Jubran Basil and others who really inflame the situation because of that this shows you how much we are close to uh, the situation when the civil war started in, in 1975 in Lebanon so we hope that this never happened Lebanese people still remember these very difficult uh, days when hundreds of thousands of people being killed and the, the, the country is destroyed and we, we don't want to get to, to this uh, uh, to get back to this uh, era uh, so hopefully we'll never get back to this era but this shows how divided is the communities in Lebanon Yes, and do you know, I mean, practically, um, what kind of impact is it having on the various communities? If you can't agree on the time, uh, are Muslims also divided on what time it is? So, which would mean breaking of the iftar, for example, would be quite a complication. One would say, oh, iftar is at six o'clock. Another would say, no, no iftar is at seven o'clock. So, what kind of practical, what kind of impact is that having? Well, you know, in terms of iftar, because we all uh, have iftar on when, when the sunset. Sunset. So, mm -hmm. The problem is that it's being used as sectarian tools, actually, from some politicians, uh, and and this really very dangerous. They didn't recognize how dangerous this this is and how how much uh, uh, problems might might cause the, the the country. It's being sorted now. The time is one now again. Uh, it's it's yeah. a summer summer time, but again, this shows how much division we have in Lebanon, and and that's really. Uh, make make a lot of Lebanese concern that if a small issue like this about time we we are divided in that way, what about bigger issues? When when it comes to bigger issues, how yes. much? And the issue is uh, uh, very big, and 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 the crisis in Lebanon is greater than its inability to agree on the time. The World Bank, for example, has uh, classified uh, the Lebanese uh, crisis as one of the ten worst economic crises. Uh, globally since the 19th century and possibly as one of the top three so price of everything is uh, going through the roof so so tell us how uh, this has affected impacted on various sectors of uh, Lebanese society including the rich and the middle class and the poor so how has it impacted those various uh, sectors of society well, according to the World Bank it is one of the most severe economic collapse seen internationally since the 1850s so it's 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 a huge Even worse. crisis. Almost affect every Lebanese. Um, and, you know, uh, I can say just only a small number of uh, corrupt politicians and incompetent uh, politicians and some billionaires who become more billionaires. The rich in Lebanon, the rich people uh, become more richer during this uh, crisis, and the poorer uh, the poor people became more poorer. We are talking here about more than 95% of people uh, are now poorer than they were uh, just a couple of years ago uh, or, or three years ago. Um, uh, rich people, they almost about 5% of the population, they become uh, more, more richer because, you know, they have the influence and they have the ability to uh, survive in these circumstances. Um, imagine families cannot afford to buy the basic materials to their families. 
uh, and and uh, um, you know the liras, which is the currency, the currency of, of Lebanon, lost more than ninety five percent of um, its 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 value. Um, so uh, the dollar was about one thousand five hundred liras before uh, uh, twenty nineteen. Now the dollar is one hundred ten thousand liras. So imagine, and people still getting paid by liras in Lebanon. So who are getting paid for three million? They still have. Three million, which so, so what, what do people do with their money? Say, so people you know, members of your family, if they get their salary, um, what what so within weeks or the the the, the currency because of fluctuation is valued it decreases. So what do they do with that money? Uh, can they save it? Can they uh, demand? Uh, we want to be paid in dollars or something else. What do they do? Well, they do nothing with the money because you are talking about twenty dollars to thirty dollars per month. So they live on one dollar per, per day, actually, which is nothing in Lebanon because yeah. everything in Lebanon is very expensive. They used to have this this amount of money used to be uh, value about seven hundred dollars, eight hundred dollars, which is fine for for people in Lebanon to live with. But now imagine people live with thirty dollars or twenty dollars. So uh, people are uh, suffering because of that. They they are in desperate situation uh, for help. Uh, the, the only relief, probably, that uh, many families in Lebanon, they have family members abroad, whether it is in Gulf or uh, in Gulf countries or in Europe or in the United States, who send uh, financial support to their families to sustain uh, the situation and, and live with it. But this is, we, we can't say this is a strategy or this is something which will sort out the problems in Lebanon. This is a, something which is now helping uh, Lebanese people for a while. But after that, you know, we, God knows what would happen if, if the situation is still as it is at the moment. Yeah, in terms of the impact, let's stick to, sticking to that for now, um, uh, you mentioned, you know, families from abroad helping the Lebanese. We know Lebanon has some of, one of the highest percentage of its population working abroad. So are more and more Lebanese thinking of leaving the country? Because as you mentioned, at the moment, there's only the rich class and the poor class and, and the middle class who are essential to any country's sustainability uh, is no longer there. So are more and more middle class uh, people thinking, this is not for me, I'm going to go wherever I can. Is that the kind of uh, story uh, you're hearing uh, from your people you know in Lebanon? Well, there is no middle-class people in Lebanon, either rich or poor. The middle-class people, as you said, mainly they left the country. I know from my family members, actually, uh, many of my family members, uh, my cousins, my niece, my nephews, they left the country. They left either to uh, uh, Gulf uh, countries, some of them came here to the UK, some of them went to United States. Uh, and it's it's difficult to leave, by the way. It's not easy, but they are doing everything to leave, uh, actually. And this, well, you know, this these people who uh, grow up in Lebanon, studied in Lebanon, they are the ones who will build the future for Lebanon. Now they are desperate to leave, and they might not never come back to Lebanon. That's the problem. And then the the society in Lebanon will be without all these the people who might. Be the uh, uh, might help building or rebuilding uh, Lebanon in, in, in the near future or in the future. So we lost really a treasure of people from all sectors in Lebanon uh, leaving to uh, to different countries because of this situation. And no one blamed them. No one blamed them because they lost everything. They lost their savings in the in the in the banks. The banks 
doesn't give people their savings. They lost them. Um, they're still giving them on the 1,500 liras a dollar, while the, the, the dollar is 110,000 liras. So imagine they lost mm -hmm. almost 90 or 95% of their savings. So they feel that they, they have nothing to lose if they go out and, and, and start their, their futures uh, elsewhere. And as I said, no one, no one should blame them for that. We should blame only these corrupt politicians uh, who, who force these people to, to leave their country. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, so moving on to politicians and politics, I mean, is it is it too simplistic uh, to suggest that if Lebanon was able to resolve its sectarian divisions, uh, something which is kind of built into the state, uh, the economic uh, crisis would be over? Is that a reflection of the political crisis and simply solve the political situ situation and the economy would would uh, be back to normal? Is that how you see it as well? Well, uh, I, I don't think the, the economic crisis is the only crisis we have in Lebanon. We have uh, many crises, unfortunately, in Lebanon. Uh, one of them is the most effective one, uh, which affect people, is the economic crisis. But we have uh, we, we, we have no president in Lebanon uh, for, for a month now. And uh, these corrupt politicians, uh, they know that without having a president, which is the first step to put uh, Lebanon on track again, um, and still they are divided between themselves because each one of them, uh, they want to bring their own, uh, the, the, the president, the president which they can uh, uh, benefit from. So uh, that, therefore, we, we, we don't have a, uh, the government is not functioning properly. So, so, what what's that? So, so what happened? There was an election last year, 2022. Uh, so what's the situation now? Uh, I know Hezbollah lost its majority. So what is the current political situation in Lebanon? So no, no one, no one having majority in Lebanon. Um, you know, as I said, <coughs> the the parliament is divided between many parties. Before we used to have eighth um, of March front and and, uh, uh, and and 14th of March front after after the assassination of uh, Rafik Hariri, the former uh, uh, prime minister. And now we don't have this even. <coughs> Politicians are very divided between themselves, and and therefore they cannot uh, agree on, on on something. Actually, uh, even small things, as we said at the time, they yeah. cannot agree on it. So, <clears throat> so the situation now is we don't have a president, and the the, the government is uh, interim government government, and uh, the parliament is divided mm. between all these politicians. And, and have and who stepped to sorry uh, if, if you want to have a drink of water or something it should be okay have a drink <laughs> yes yeah, so, so who, who stepped into that vacuum then uh have civil society organizations stepped in or have you seen international donors uh have, have western governments have stepped in to fill that vacuum and provide some kind of stability because as we know lebanon is is a is a in very important country for one of um, Western allies in the region, Israel. So, that, that if that country falls, in in then it, it, it's not very good news, not just for Israel but for the region as a whole. So, who stepped into that vacuum? Um, no moment? one. No one. The vacuum's still there. No one stepped into the vacuum. I mean, some countries try to uh, to interfere and um, uh, get involved uh, to sort out the problem in Lebanon because, as you said, they have their own interest in, in the region and Lebanon is in the core of that so but nothing happened as I said the Lebanese people that 
the, the, not the Lebanese people, the politicians, the corrupt politicians, um, each, each one of them, they don't care about what's going on in the country and what's happened to this country. And they don't even see the, the Lebanese people uh, going through all these difficulties and, and challenges. They only look after their own interests. And therefore, all these, um, all, all these approach or all these uh, tries by, by these uh, countries failed, so far failed. And therefore, we still haven't, haven't got uh, a president and we still the country, the, the, the government doesn't function properly. And, and therefore, I don't think there will be, um, there will be light in the tunnel uh, soon in Lebanon unless we uh, get rid of these politicians and, and remove them from power. As long as they are in power, the, the, the country will suffer, the people of Lebanon will suffer. And by the way, not just only the Lebanese uh, people, we have millions of refugees in Lebanon, Syrian refugees, uh, Palestinian refugees, who live as well in a difficult situation. But Lebanese people are the most affected uh, ones because they get paid by Lebanese currencies. The others can get dollars actually from um, NGOs, from others who help them. But really the Lebanese people who are suffering the lot in Lebanon at the moment. Mm. And what one can imagine in a situation like this, where there is a crisis, where there is a power vacuum, uh, groups and organizations, sections of society that are well connected to other states in the region would become stronger. So I'm thinking Hezbollah, for example, connected to Iran. So why hasn't Hezbollah or has Hezbollah exploited the situation to entrench its power even more? Or have we seen also maybe Saudi Arabia trying to push into the uh, country and enforce its power and authority in the region. Have we seen examples of either of the two countries trying to dominate and shape uh, Lebanon's future? Well, the situation in Lebanon has two uh, elements, one internal elements and one external. Internal element is between uh, the, uh, the, the parties in Lebanon, uh, whether they are political parties or, or, or other parties, which they are fighting with each other for their own interest. And, and Hezbollah is, is one of these parties who's trying to, you know, gain more power. He already controlled, I mean, Hezbollah already controlled the, the, the country uh, in, in all level, actually, uh, economically, uh, uh, security, political. So they, they but, but uh, it doesn't mean that they can do everything they want. Uh, because as we can see from the experience with the president, they couldn't even get the president they want to, to, to get it. Till now, we don't know what would happen in the near future. Uh, I, I think they will they will get eventually who, who, who they want to, to, to get, but it is not easy. So this internal situation between these parties make things worse and, and make things really more difficult to the uh, Lebanese people because in the end of the day, these political parties control the country, whether it is on the parliament or outside the parliament. That's one element. The other element is the external element. And this, by the way, these countries, these parties, they are belong to a, a, a region uh, power. Like, for example, Hezbollah is, 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 um, belong to, to, to Iran and, and other parties like, uh, um, some, some, some parties who, uh, oppose Hezbollah, they are more close to Saudi Arabia, for example, and, mm -hmm. and, and so on. The external element is, uh, what's going on in the borders of Lebanon, whether it is in the Syrian borders or in the Israeli borders, because, you know, we have two 
main uh, regional powers in Syria and, and in Israel, and, and Lebanon become a letterbox for, for, for all mm. these regional, regional countries. When they want to send the messages to each other, they send it through Lebanon. And, and, and unfortunately, that's the situation in Lebanon. Lebanon is a puppet now, uh, which uh, anyone uh, or any countries outside uh, can, can, can play with it. And, and that's, that's a huge problem uh, for Lebanese because any, any situation in Lebanon, they go out to see how, how they can sort it out. They can't sort it out between themselves. They can't solve their, their own problems. So they have to rely on regional and, and probably international countries like the United States, France, and others to sort out their problem, and therefore nothing is being sorted because unless the Lebanese people get together and try to sort out their own problems, no one will help them to sort the, their problems because everyone else is, is busy in different things. They have their own challenges, whether it's Saudi Arabia and Iran, and Lebanon, no priorities is uh, anymore for them, and therefore they stop even their financial support to Lebanon, at least the Gulf countries, mainly Saudi Arabia. Uh, Iran still gives Hezbollah, but it doesn't give the, the, the Lebanese government. And therefore, we will go on with this patient for, for a while, unfortunately. Mm. It's, it's a tragedy because on the one hand, the West and Western governments, they complain about uh, foreign migration and the rise of migration and that the impact it's having on uh, Western societies. Generally, we see the crisis now in the West. But the way to stop that is to make sure the countries don't fail and collapse. Make sure you don't have wars. Make sure you don't have states like Lebanon collapsing and its middle class, you know, leaving the country in droves and migrating to the West. So in the one sense, their policy kind of undermines their goal. The goal is to make sure countries are stable. And so you don't have a migration crisis, as we've seen, you know. So um, it's very difficult to comprehend why they do that. The policies don't do not complement um, the, the you know the, the goal they've set themselves. Um, but let's uh, end on uh, hopefully a positive note, and and maybe you can um, tell us what the Lebanese uh, how the Lebanese public feel uh, and about the future. Uh, do they think there is an end to the crisis? Uh, what would be a potential solution? Um, to the um, crisis in the situation? Is it the government coming and forming? Uh, is it the case of Western nations, Western, uh, Western uh, sorry, uh, foreign nations, foreign countries um, removing themselves from Lebanon and not using that as a, uh, a, you know, a battleground for their own proxy wars? I mean, how do they see the future? Is there a solution and what would be the solution? Well, Lebanese people are very resilient, very creative, very initiative. We all know that, whether it is in Lebanon or where they go out and, and you know, uh, we, we've seen many Lebanese people who, um, you know, uh, they, 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 they have an impact when, wherever they go. Of course. And therefore, I have no doubt that this will be the situation in Lebanon. But until we get to this point, we need to get rid of these uh, corrupt politicians who are mainly behind the crisis in Lebanon. I cannot blame only the West or, or the foreign countries uh, for, for the troubles and difficulties we have in Lebanon. I should blame our own people who are probably the main, because, the, you know, if they get together and try to get rid of these uh, corrupt people and, and have a new generation, and, and by the way, then the young people in Lebanon, they want to change, and they tried this revolution in, in 2019 for a change. Unfortunately, it's been stolen from them, 
it's been um, uh, you know people used it to for for other reasons and so on this is why it, it failed but the, the the young people in Lebanon still desperate for change and we've seen that now with even uh, elections we've seen that the mentality of electing my leader only regardless who who what 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 he does or or uh, whether he is a good person or is a bad person is changed now it's, it's changing i'm not saying it's it's completely changed but but we are we we can see positive things from young people the the, the ngos who are helping lebanon uh, from from different countries as well they have an impact on on, on that they are training young people about you know how they uh, about leadership about how they deal with situation like Lebanon, like like what what we got in Lebanon and how we can uh, come from this crisis and so on so there is there is a lot of hope in, in in Lebanon but as i said unless we get rid of these corrupt people the situation will not change uh, and and unfortunately we it, it might take this sometimes to see a, a, a dramatic change in, in Lebanon. Mm. And we will, of course, be keeping an eye on that story because it is one of the most important uh, stories in the Middle East at the moment, the crisis in Lebanon. Um, I want to thank Mohammed Kozbar for joining us and giving us your thoughts and insights. It's been a real pleasure hosting you and I hope to see you all again soon in, a next, uh, in another conversation with the Middle East Monitor. Thank you all very much. See you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for having me. Thank you. This was Middle East Monitor Conversations, brought to you by the Middle East Monitor in London.